Good morning, everyone. I am your host, Richard Powell, and this is another episode of Alumni Sports Week 8 Recap. And I do want to go ahead and, and dive into the AP Top 25, as we do have Georgia at number one still after they beat Florida 42-20 to 20 down in Jacksonville for the world's largest cocktail party. And uh, granted, Stetson Bennett did throw two interceptions later on in the game that helped Florida out a little bit, but... It was really not much of a competitive game, uh, nearly at all. So Napier, his first year coach down there, uh, other than the top 10 win versus Utah at the Swamp, they really have not impressed very much. Uh, they came within a few points of Tennessee, but they've only won one game in the SEC so far. So there's definitely still to work out down there with Anthony Richardson and co. But we do have Ohio State at number two, and also a tie with number two is Tennessee as the Tennessee Volunteers are coming out to play at Georgia this year, or not this year, but this coming week. So that'll be a big game, game of the week for sure, and we'll see if Hendon Hooker can help his case for the Heisman. Then we have number four, Michigan, number five, Clemson, number six, Alabama, number seven, TCU, number eight, Oregon, number nine, University of Southern California, and number 10, UCLA. So Chip Kelly is doing a hell of a job down there uh, for the Bruins. For sure. So, and I do want to add actually this also. Uh, this is the first time in six years that three teams have been within the top 10 uh, for the Pac 12 conference. So, a lot of times people always said the Pac 12 is bomb tier, power five, not deserving of, of much recognition. But the standings right now are saying otherwise. But do keep a note USC and UCLA did put a notice saying they're wanting to leave the Pac 12 and potentially join another conference. So, We'll see what happens if that does come to fruition. Tennessee now, as I said, ranked number two, tied with Ohio State. This is the highest since 2001. And do keep in note that they finished out number four that year. So let's see what happens this year. Uh, college football playoff rankings also come out November 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it'll be interesting to find out who they have in the top four and also on the outside looking in. And... Speaking of rankings, I do want to mention the teams that are out of the top 25 now. So we have Kentucky, as they got blasted by Tennessee, 44-6. South Carolina, as they lost 23-10 in Missouri, surprisingly. And then Cincinnati, 25-21 to UCF. And obviously with teams coming out of the top 25, there's new teams coming in. So we have three teams that are having their season debuts, starting with number 23, Liberty, who is an independent team. Uh, no conference affiliation. Granted, their schedule has not been very competitive, in my opinion, as they play teams such as UMass and UConn. But they had played Wake Forest, who is a ranked team, only lost by one point, and they did beat a BYU team that we'll talk about a little bit later. Then we have number 24, Oregon State. So the Beavers broke a streak of unwanted or unranked uh, weekly polls since 2013. So congrats to them on that. Now Rutgers is next, as they haven't been ranked since 2012, and Vanderbilt as well, which Vanderbilt will have a long time to go uh, because unless they find another James Franklin, it's going to be really tough to bring recruits in to win an SEC for sure. And then we have number 25, UCF, as they beat in Cincinnati, as we mentioned earlier. So new debuts, and let's see if they can make some noise moving forward for the next few weeks. But for rank versus rank matchups, we talked about earlier, Georgia is at home versus Tennessee. 
really big for Hendon Hooker and the Greensboro, North Carolina local on seeing what he can do versus this team as they did play Alabama at Tennessee, but now it's going to be at Georgia, so a little of a different animal. Then we have number 15, LSU at home versus Bama. Interesting to see how Brian Kelly and his Jaden Daniels-led team go against Alabama when it comes down to their defense as they're not as good historically um, or as history has been for the Alabama defense. Voila, Tennessee game. But last, we do have number 21, NC State, who is on the backup quarterback as Devin Leary's been out for the year now versus a number 20, Wake Forest, who did just commit eight turnovers after they lost to Louisville. So eight turnovers, that's uh, pretty tough to overcome, to say the least. But I do want to mention also about a pretty big firing, as this probably has been in the, the work for a little bit, but Brian Harson uh, is now the former Boise State and former Auburn head football coach. So he finished out his year at nine and or his tenure at nine and twelve record in two years as he came over from Boise State. Uh, Auburn also are is hiring a new athletic director, John Cohen, who came from Mississippi State. And because Mississippi, I think, in my opinion, that Auburn's gonna make a big splash play to compete with Alabama and to bring more recruits in to make it enticing again. So I would not be surprised if uh, they hired Deion Sanders, to say the least, um, because AD has the athletic director has ties to Mississippi. Deion obviously is Jackson State, which is in Mississippi. Deion been looking for a Power Five team, I believe, uh, just to show that he can win HBCU, but also in a Power Five conference and SEC on top of that. And I think it'd also be good for his sons. Probably a package deal with Shadir Sanders, who's getting some some. Uh, some eyes looking at him at Jackson State, but if he could transfer on over to an already inconsistent quarterback play at Auburn, then that'll just help solidify, uh, or it'll be a you know um, two birds one stone type scenario. You bring Dion, you bring his son over too, and he also has another son, Shiloh Sanders, who is a, a DB slash safety for Jackson State as he moved over from South Carolina to come down play at Jackson State. But let's go ahead and talk about the pick of the week. So I did fly out to Utah as ECU played BYU. BYU was a three-point favorite. I did choose ECU plus three. Ended up coming down on the winning side on that one. Holt Nailers, 15 to 22, 197 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Keith Mitchell, 21 carries, 176 yards, one TD. And Isaiah Winstead, five catches for 63 yards. And for BYU, Jaron Hall, 18-25, 144 yards passing, two TDs. Lapini Katoa, 20 carries, 116 yards, and one TD. And Puka Nakua, seven catches, 79 yards, one TD. Overall, ECU had 424 yards of total offense. BYU had 388 and zero turnovers for either team. Grant, there were a few fumbles, but obviously it wasn't picked up by the opposing team. Uh, one interesting thing, though, I will say, so since this is my first time in Utah and going out to Provo and seeing how the community is, it, uh, just three of those players I named out were all within a 20-minute drive of Provo, and Jaron Hall was a Provo local. Grant, he transferred from Washington to come to BYU, but the Mormon community was uh, pretty nice, to say the least. I mean, I was, I was in there with the, the ECU fans, and we, they gave us free ice cream. Never had something like that happen before. Um, 
they're just nice in general. I mean, and that was definitely the most family friendly tailgate I've ever been to. They had a beach music vibe or a band out by the stadium. And, uh, it was also the most sober tailgate also <laughs> that uh, I've ever been to. So, whereas, you know, EC fans will complain about running out of Jack Daniels, uh, the BYU fans will complain about running out of soda. Uh, that's kind of the epitome of it, but <laughs> it, it was a beautiful stadium. Uh, great game to go to, to say the least. A Friday night game on ESPN. So glad we can pull it out. Now, Conrad kicked a 33 yard field goal. I did talk to him after the game in the tunnel, and he even mentioned to me how he hit the ground first before he even hit the football. So that's definitely a part of why that ball looked so low. And uh, like I said, I was surprised it was not blocked by any means, but it went through it went through the goalpost. Uh, Coach Houston said after the game, it might have been one of the ugliest kicks there is, but it went through, so it counts. And ECU is now 6-3. and three, So big on that. ECU now plays at Cincinnati. The well they come on well they have a bye week coming up then at, at Cincinnati, so it's big time for them to see if they can win that game. Because if they beat Cincinnati, then they have the tiebreaker versus UCF and Cincinnati for the conference championship game uh, to play two lane if they win out. So looks pretty good coming up. BYU plays at Boise State uh, and basically for BYU they'd have to win out to get to a bowl game essentially. And the one neat fact was BYU has won 15 straight night games at home. So glad you see you could break that streak. And just a few things, just from like seeing, uh, you know, Keith Mitchell, for instance, hell of a player. Uh, you know, Holden Aylers, he's the Greenville local, as tough as all can be. He's been with the team for years now as his career is winding down with only a few games left. But Keith Mitchell, he just makes everything easier for ECU when he gets going. So he's so fast, so quick so elusive it's just uh you know once he's going it makes things a lot simpler for holton more players come down the box to try to stop keaton which then promotes more man coverage and we have so much skill on the outside and on the inside with ryan jones for instance that we can just eat up the defense so he's definitely a great asset to, uh, to have i know he's draft eligible hopefully he does not go to the draft as um, i do believe he could maybe help on you know augment his stock on pass protection and most notably, the one thing I would mention that I like to see more out of EC's offense is a featured Keaton in the passing game more, along with Ryan Jones. But that's just, I mean, it's a good problem to have where you have so many weapons that you don't know what to do with a lot of them. And uh, the defense definitely shored up. So Jaron Hall definitely was getting some yards on us early on, uh, in, in the first half when it comes to running the ball to convert some first downs. But during the second half, definitely shored up that and. And it became more of a aggressive game where ECU and BYU were going on four downs and getting stopped, um, good and bad. But ECU has made enough plays, and this is at the end of the day, it's whoever makes the most the, the more plays who's going to win that game, and we just did whether it was whether it was pretty or not. So glad we could uh, win that game. Great experience to say the least. And I did talk to Chad Stevens afterwards as he actually is from Greensboro, such as myself, and he told him or he told me that uh, for the years he's played with ECU, that was the uh, the coolest environment he's ever played at away. So that's pretty neat. And definitely keep in mind how we will be playing at Michigan next year. So you got the big house. So I'm expecting that will probably be even better than this uh, for the season opener. So glad I could, uh, you know, go out to that game and just see it for myself. And, you know, like Coach Houston said, how about them freaking – 
bowl eligible pirates. So, <laughs> so uh, but other than that, look forward to this coming week. A lot of good games. Uh, I will get my picks of the week out at Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And let's definitely look into the playoff uh, bracket that are going to come out with on November 1st. And, you know, moving forward, if y'all have any questions, do let me know. Uh, you know, look forward to the next weekly podcast and we will talk soon. All right. Thank you. Y'all have a good one.